The Las Vegas Raiders have partnered with the global lifestyle app TrueConnect to give the gift of wellness. Transform your mind, body, and soul through thousands of hours of premium fitness content, guided meditations, progress tracking, and more. Visit tcfree.fit to redeem one free year of TrueConnect exclusively for Raider Nation. You're listening to the Raiders Podcast Network, your official home for all things silver and black. And we're hanging out with our guy from PFF, Mike Renner. And Mike, before we really dive into silver and black and we look ahead to the draft and all the fun bowl games and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, I got to give you some credit, man. I I thought about either doing this when we were recording or not, but I decided I'm going to throw my guy Mike a bone. When you came on, I think it was June, July, of the the backroom guys check, you said, hey, keep an eye out on Christian Gonzalez. I was asking about my Oregon guys. You said, keep an eye on him. And I was like, all right, Mike, whatever. And then lo and behold, this dude's an absolute stud. What a machine, Renner. You did good on that one, my friend. Hey, you know, what do they say? A blind squirrel gets a nut every once in a while. That's basically what I'm doing over here. Just throwing some darts, hoping to hit one bullseye. And and it seems like I may have gotten one. So Chris Gonzalez very well may be top 10 to 15 pick here, top 20 pick. I think it's for sure going to be a first rounder here next spring. Yeah, an absolute, an absolute stud. It was a lot of fun to watch him play football. And every time he did something, I was like, huh. Mike Renner, I guess he does know what he's talking about just a little bit. But uh, going back to last week, because for us, just a bizarre, I think that's the nicest way to put it, ending to the Patriots game. From a national perspective, when, when you guys are going through the games, when you're watching, what goes through your head when you see Chandler Jones, I don't know what the technical term is, either intercept or secure a lateral from Jacoby Myers? Like In, in terms of crazy end of, end of game play, like that's got to be right up there, huh? I honestly can't think of a crazier one. You know, I think that's only, what was it, like the third time or fourth time in NFL history that a defense has scored in the final minute of a game. And actually, we had, a, had one that earlier this year in that Vikings-Bills game. Mm, yeah. But uh, final minute of a tied game uh, or a team winning. So that was definitely wild. And just you're thinking there, you're the, on defense. There's, I can't remember the exact amount of time on the clock, but you're thinking overtime at worst, loss, or overtime at best, loss at worst, there is no thought process where there's a chance in your mind that you win the game on that play alone. So, yeah, that has to be the craziest ending that I can remember, at least at the NFL level. And, and I think for for all of us here, I think obviously de- no way, you, depending on how you shake it, just bizarro world to end a game. But I think the fact that it was a Bill Belichick coach team his team doesn't do that ever for the past 20 plus years. They're the team that is the beneficiary of other teams having those kind of bizarro finishes. So I think that a moment that is already weird and crazy and out of the box becomes even more amplified just, just because it was the Patriots. Well, and we say that though, like, well, it's fun to say like, you know, this doesn't happen to Belichick coach teams, well, but I, you go back to that Miami yep, ending a yep. few years ago and they probably had the second craziest last play of the game in the past, you know, since the turn of the century. So uh, it's, it goes to show that it doesn't matter how much, how good your coaching is, how much, uh, you know, you instill uh, the fear of God in these guys are instill good fundamentals. Sometimes any given Sunday, the random stuff can happen as we've seen random stuff 
Very well did happen this past weekend. That's true. And it's the beauty of the college. It's the beauty of the NFL. It's it's the beauty of this crazy, wacky game that we all love to cover. But I'm, I'm curious, Mike. Obviously, the Raiders sitting here at 6-8, and eight, not really where we expect it to be. But as Coach Josh McDaniels brings up all the time, it's the reality of where the silver and black are. But to, to kind of zoom in a little bit, Raiders have won 4 or 5. Uh, obviously, the singular loss coming on Thursday night to Baker Mayfield and the Rams, uh, something that did not make people here in this building very happy at all. But when you kind of look at, at just that stretch, 4 or 5, uh, beat some quality teams that at the time were in the playoff conversation. I mean, what's been working for the Silver and Black this past call it six weeks? I think this is what, you know, we always expected they could be, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, they always had this potential and it's what everyone expected preseason. They just have had a lot of bounces not go their way. Like even the games they lost early on in the season, you'd be hard pressed to find one where they weren't in it towards the end. You know, a lot of close losses towards the end. So uh, I, I do think it's still a very good team and it's, it has playmakers offensively. Like you have guys that whether it's Josh Jacobs, whether it's Devonte Adams, any given week can go off for a monster game. And that's why we're so excited about this team. It's just, I think the offensive line is when it's at this state, when it's just, you know, probably a bottom 10 offensive line in the NFL, you're just going to struggle with consistency. You see that there's not a lot of teams, not a lot of high end offenses that have weaker offensive line. So I guess it's encouraging if you're a Raiders fan saying that like it's close, it's closer than probably a lot of people were thinking when, uh, you know, they were so down to start the season. Uh, I still think they're fairly close, but again, it does have to start up front. If you get a more consistent offensive line play, you're going to see a much more consistent offense. Yeah. You talk about that offensive line and we were hearing uh, from coach McDaniels earlier this week where this, this team has had 13, offensive lines now going into uh, what are we, I guess, technically late December. And, and you talk about that, right? I mean, that's just not a recipe and, and through no one's fault, right? Because of the injury bug and personnel things and, you know, things like that. But it's it's just not a recipe for sustained success on offense, moving the big fellows around like that. But but really, I think when, when you look at some of those playmakers that you mentioned, we talk about Josh Jacobs, a guy who's had a phenomenal season. And I think the fact that you throw in you know, the reality that he has worked behind so many offensive lines, it just puts it in perspective and makes it even more impressive what number 28 has done in 2022. Oh, 100%. There's not many running backs, at least in recent history, that have overcome that offensive line. You know, there's not a lot of guys leading the league in rushing. Um, you know, averaging as many yards per carry as he has, well over five, that are going behind, you know, like I said, below average offensive lines. Usually your Nick Chubbs of the world, Jonathan Taylor's of the world, as you've seen. Jonathan Taylor, even this year, when he had the great offensive line a couple of years ago, you know, he's going off. When the offensive line loses some of the pieces, all of a sudden he's struggling to find holes. That's usually the way of the world in the NFL. But Josh Jacobs obviously showing that he is a little bit of a different cat, that he he can bring, he can do a lot of it on his own. So very encouraging um, obviously, if you're a Raiders fan, very encouraging if you're Josh Jacobs' bank account. As yeah, 100%. And I'm glad you kind of brought that up. You kind of alluded to it. But, you know, how far away we are, we were talking to one of our local guys earlier today that how far away or how long ago that Pro Bowl, or excuse me, the uh, the Hall of Fame game in Canton seems like for, for Josh? Because, you know, we see that. We see him getting that, that early burn in the first preseason game. And everyone, myself included, is like, Oh boy, historically speaking, this is not a great sign for your air quotes bell cow running back. But I'm curious from your guys' perspective on, on more of a national type of uh, viewpoint, like I don't know if there's many more guys in the league that have had a more surprising in a good way season than our guy here, Josh. Yeah, I think that's an accurate description because, you know, go back to his rookie year, he was fantastic. But but that was also probably working behind a, a fairly good offensive line back then that's taken a step back and had a struggle since then. So 
yeah, kind of the national narrative around him was so down, but I do think you've seen the talent before, mm-hmm. right? Like this wasn't, didn't come out of nowhere from a talent perspective. He was drafted in the first round. I thought of in that high regard for a reason. You always knew he was capable of things like this, but you know, after the fifth year declining, after playing the hall of fame game, you just probably didn't expect it to show up this season. No, and I think that the fact that he's done it consistently behind the uh, the myriad offensive lines, that he hasn't missed games, that he's been going out there banged up, battered, and and one of our, our guys we were talking to today he says it's pretty incredible to think that a Josh Jacobs who has battled through everything that he's battled through this year is still one of the best running backs in the NFL in 2022. So it's a huge credit to Josh. It's a huge credit to the, this entire offensive staff that they put him in positions to succeed. Uh, but Mike, I'm curious now as we shift towards, well, I guess we're already officially in bowl season. Is there a better time of year for the Mike Renners of the world than bowl season? Um, I, I, th- Nowadays, not, there is. Well, I, I, nowadays, yeah, that, the actual yep. like... The senior bowl, shrine bowl, that time of the year, and then combines a little bit better just because a lot of the you know first rounders aren't aren't playing. But uh bowl season when the guys are playing, when when there are some prospects, it, it is definitely fun stuff. So when we look at a kind of the the scope of, of bowl season, right? And I think it's a lot of fun for the people like me who can kind of just watch as a fan, right? It's one of the few things where I can lock in for the, you know, insert random sponsor here bowl at you know 2 p.m. on a Wednesday. But when you guys are going through your evaluation, where did, how does the bowl game or maybe lack thereof of a bowl game for some of these guys kind of go into how you uh, ultimately grade them out headed into the draft? I think playoff games are big. Mm-hmm. You know, those games, the hot, the primetime games, the ones that really there's a lot on the line, you can make or break your draft stock. Not make or break, but like you can really pump up your draft stock. I think we see in the past guys like Jerron Payne, I can recall the uh, you know commander's defensive tackle had a monster playoff and then all of a sudden goes in the top 15 picks. So I think those games can help you, but I do think you're seeing a lot of opt-outs because guys have more to lose at this point than to gain because we've seen so much football on them. 12 games, 13 games. If you can't tell how good a player is by now, chances are, you're not going to be able to do that after one more game. So, so to me, the bowls that are more important are like the showcase bowls after the season, senior bowl, shrine bowl, Hula bowl, whatever you want. Those games are more important because you're playing against guys who will play in the NFL. Yeah. You're getting one-on-one matchups. You're doing things that you're supposed to be doing at the NFL level. Maybe not your collegiate role that may be different. So those are the games I put a ton of stock in the guys skipping out on bowls right now. Truthfully, I, I, does not move the needle for me whatsoever. And and I think that's fair. And and we've seen, especially over the past couple of years, the way that, you know, some of these top tier guys attack a bowl game or in this case decide to elect to not attack a bowl game has changed. And and I think that, you know, I'm I'm all for these guys taking care of themselves, getting ready for for this next chapter, this next adventure. But I think you you bring a, a good point where it does kind of change the way that you guys uh evaluate or in this case, you know, doesn't change things at all. But as we get ready now for the playoff, mercifully in what we think we got what, like ten days, something like that. We're getting close. Uh, give me a guy or two that doesn't play quarterback because all the, the quarterbacks always get all the uh, the eye candy and everyone wants to talk about him. A few guys that you're excited to watch coming up in the playoff that uh, that aren't under center. Yeah, there's a number of guys. Obviously, if you're one of the top four teams, country, you probably are loaded with talent. Uh, so the first one that comes to mind, though, is Quinton Johnson, the TCU wide receiver. Uh, obviously, he's been going up against Big 12 defenses most of the year, which not a lot of corner talent, let's say, uh, coming out of the Big 12, as you'll see by looking at NFL rosters. But now he gets to go up against Michigan, uh, very well-coached secondary. I, I think that's going to be a great test for him because right now he's wide receiver one of the PFF draft board. The, the guy is a rangy 6'4", 215-pounder with some real deep speed, 
getting to see how he goes against those corners and maybe even, you know, Georgia or Ohio State's corners the next game uh, could be great for his evaluation, great for his draft stock. So that's the first one that I'll highlight there. Um, on the other side of the ball, I do think Michigan, they have a ton of talent once again, but Mozzie Smith, the defensive tackle for them. He was number one of Bruce Feldman's freaks list, a heck of an athlete really hasn't shown it too much, but he took over that Ohio state game a little towards the end of the season. He's shown flashes of being a first round type of defensive tackle. Um, I think if he gets to go against Georgia's offensive line, which has a really good interior, that's going to be a great test for him. Uh, and he could make his way up into the first round because of that. When we look at this class, and, and it happens every year, Mike, and you have you and I have talked about this before, the, the areas of strength in a particular draft class. I know that we're still kind of gearing up, and I know that you guys over at PFF uh, are still kind of, you know, getting fully into the matrix. But, you know, as we sit here in late December, like, what are kind of the position groups of strength uh, in this class coming up here in April? There are two that really stick out to me. One's running back. This might be... This might be the best running back class I've seen since we started doing college. That was 2014. I know the 2018 class, I believe, had the most top 50 picks in the last 20 years. I want to say it was six guys, six backs drafted in the top 50 was the most in the last 20 years. I think this one could match that. There is a ton of talent in this running back class. I mean, I did a top 10 running backs on PFF.com this week, and I left off guys that are going to be day two picks. Uh, it's just that deep of a class in terms of the talent there. So there's probably about 12 guys in this class that would have been top five backs in last year's class. That's how strong it is. So running back stacked. I also think this tight end class mm. is stacked. Now tight end is not a super valuable position. So, you know, kind of have to skew your expectations, you know, one or two go in the first round usually means it's a good class. Uh, and I think you'll see at least one, if not two or three go in the first round this year, but it's more so I think you'll see like eight or nine come off the board by the end of day two. So kind of pick your flavor there in this tight end class, but there's a lot of talent in this tight end class that I think is going to come off the board fairly, you know, relatively early top hundred picks sort of guys. And I know that, you know, we, we talk about it. The tight end isn't perhaps the sexiest position, but I mean, you ask people here in Las Vegas and you talk to Raiders fan. I mean, this offense looks dramatically different with Darren Waller in it compared to Darren Waller not being in it. So yeah, it might not be the, uh, the glitzy and, and, and the glamorous quarterbacks or wide receivers, whatever it is, but don't sleep on the tight ends, my friend. Do not sleep on them. Uh, Mike, are we going to get you out here for the uh, the Shrine Bowl here at Allegiant Stadium? Every time you come on, I say, Mike, when you come into Vegas, oh, I'm going to come for this, oh, I'm going to come for that. And I, and yet, you haven't sat in the studio with me. So when are we going to get you out here? I will be out there Friday, January, the last Friday in January. Is that I'll, Friday, January 29th? I'll put the, put the breaking the breaking news music on this, get the lights queued up. Once again, Renner, when are you coming to the desert? Friday, I believe it's January 29th. Does that sound right? Last Friday in January. Let's just call it that. Um, I will be there that Friday through that Sunday night. So I'll be there for a weekend. And that is for the Shrine Bowl. So Incredible. That will be. All right. Uh, I gladly love to come in the studio. All right. The tw 27th, January 27th. 27th. All right. We're going to get you. I got three extra seats in here, and we're going to get you in one awesome. of them. All right? Sounds good. All right, man. Well, hey, it was good to see you. Uh, we will see you in person, Ice Cash, in a little over a month. Uh, happy holidays to you. Tell your guy Dave I send my best. Big shout out to Dave and the rest of the PFF crew. Uh, on your way out, though, my friend, 30 seconds of plugs. Where can the people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at PFF underscore Mike. Uh, you can find me on our daily YouTube show, It's Just Football. And you can be on the lookout for a PFF draft guide. That's dropping in March of this year. One draft guide, no multiple updates, just one draft guide coming to March after the combine. Love it. All right, Mike. Like I said, happy holidays, man. We'll see you soon, and thanks for the time. All right, brother? For sure, Eddie. Thanks for having me on, man. 
Thank you for listening to the Raiders Podcast Network. For all things silver and black, download the Raiders app and visit Raiders.com.